Hi, Vera Elizabeth. Ooh, you sound crystal clearer a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, look at this technology. It's called the Zoom. We're using the yeah. Zooms. The Legal Geeks podcast recommended that we do Zoom. Oh, it sounds good. Yeah. I do like the charm of talking through two tin cans on a string. <laughs> I had I brought my string and my tin can into the tin can and string repair shop this week. So oh shit, yeah. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to up our technology as we're doing. <laughs> Barbara, yes, we are working so hard on our podcast for episode five for the book Love in the Time of Cholera. Yes, we are. We it's hard to find time. You'd think that we'd have more time being at home, but I well, you and I both have full time jobs and childcare on top of that. Actually, our time is taken up by a lot of uh, living. A lot of what? Living. Living, yeah, that's true. Making a living. Making a living. Caring for yeah. little, little lives that are living. Keeping them living. Ain't that the truth. Yeah. So I thought it would be a good idea for me to do a series of small interviews, the subject being love in the time of COVID. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I chose three people. Mm -hmm. chose my friend Lisa, who is living apart from her boyfriend. Uh, I spoke to my friend Candace, who is living with her boyfriend that she's been uh -huh. with since all of January. So that's interesting. Oh, wow. And then I chose my friend who is dating right now. She's dating? Yeah. Or he's dating? <laughs> is he dating? <laughs> She, I think, I don't know if she's dating or not. We're going to find out. She's got three kids um, and she's you. So we're going to do that interview right, right about now. Barbara. Hi, oh, hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. How's it going with love in the time of COVID? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. Um, let me think about it for a second. It's been weird. Is that right? Well, I don't know how I feel about, I mean, I guess I am technically dating. I'm not on any apps or anything. Did tin cans even have apps? Surprisingly, they do. They have, um, what do they have? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have to, you, you can only date people whose backyards are close enough to throw um, a tin can on a string into. <laughs> so it's limited to your neighbors, but. I see. Well, how's it going? Uh, well, not, I am, okay, so I guess I'm not dating because I'm not actively pursuing anybody. So you don't have apps? You've got no apps? I have no apps. I don't. I, well, last time I tried apps, it just confirmed to me that I'm, I honestly think I'm too good for apps. I'm just going to mm. say it. I just think I'm too amazing for apps. <laughs> I, well, uh. I, did I ever tell you about my apps experience? Uh, I had, I had three of them. Let's hear them. And this is before um, COVID. This is before COVID. Yes. I think I've mentioned that I usually date people that I know I get to know. Yeah. I went on Tinder, Cesspool, um, Bumble is just a way for guys to be able to really get a good look at you before they get choosy. And Bumble, just the name alone just sounds like, oh, I just <laughs> The big charm of Bumble is supposed to be that women get are the ones who have to make the first move. But it's really just like, I think the men, oh, so I think men cast a wide net as they normally would. Mm -hmm. And then you respond to the man and then the man just disappears if he's like, oh, well, I got something, but I don't like it after all. So you get rejected anyway, but you make it easier for them, I think. Okay, let me ask you real quick, because that sounds like what um, I've heard uh, fellers complain about for Tinder, or what's the other one? Is there a nicer one than Tinder? Yes, the one the one I had any luck at all on was... Hinge, no, not Hinge. Hinge, Hinge, yes. Really? H yes, Hinge. Oh, okay. Anyway, so on Hinge, I 
opened up my profile to men and women. Mm -hmm. I went on three dates. Okay. The first one was this young lady mm-hmm. who told me, like when we were when we were chatting beforehand, that she was a nanny. Okay. I thought, okay, I guess that's good. She likes kids. And then we met at a restaurant, and she got she'd gotten there first. And I don't know who else out there has had this experience, but it is a really wonderful thing when you walk in a door, someone sees you, and you can tell right away that they are so disappointed really and then you and then you proceed to have an hour-long dinner with them so that was my experience but also but she like uh sealed her own fate by um sharing with me that her mother calls her the baby of the family because the last thing I uh want is another baby Um, how did you know that she was disappointed? What is it? Is it a facial thing? Oh, is it, did she like a... stick her finger down her throat and start gagging? Like how? It was just a vibe. She was way in the bar and I was at the front door and she just looked up and just, just the look on her face. And then it was confirmed with so much nervous giggling that I, like we could barely hold a conversation. It was no eye contact, um, whatever. Who paid? She did. That's when I knew she was a pro. She paid. And then we walked outside and she she might as well have like done done a like a like a little fist check to the what do you call it? You're Take all it right, like, kid. A little no. She goes. She goes. Yeah, we might do this again sometime. And then she went home and unmatched us. So wow, that was my first one. Um, the second one was with this man who I knew was in politics and also an actor. And we met at a very nice wine bar, which was much more my speed. The other place had been at a mall. Mm-hmm. And he was very well-read, well-traveled, really smart. And at some point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw a curveball in this and just drop the bomb about the three kids. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see how cool he really is. Mm-hmm. I did. I mean, I, you know, I, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but three kids is a big thing. And I hadn't mentioned the three kids. I'm well aware of that. Mm-hmm. It's not something I felt comfortable putting in my profile. And then I had gotten up and let, like gone to the bathroom. I came back and we talked a little bit more. And then he's like, you know what? I'm a, that's just amazing that you have triplets. I was, that was incredible. I'm just so impressed with that. And then I was like, fuck, fuck. And then he told me. He has he, four kids. No. <laughs> um, he told me he was a DJ, an industrial DJ, an industrial music DJ. But we love he, industrial music. I know. <laughs> And he, we started talking about these clubs that we both go to. And then I was like, fuck, shit, this could actually be something. <laughs> and what happened? It was, it was funny. Well, just right around the same time, I'd been going back and forth with another gal on Hinge. And we, had, we met for coffee shortly after that. And she was just awesome. So we ended up seeing each other for a while. Um, so that kind of rendered DJ politician, well-read, well-traveled, awesome dude mood. Okay, question. I I met that girl, right? Yes. Okay. She was she was pretty awesome. So when you go on a hinge date with somebody and then you realize you can't see them right then, what is the etiquette? Could you be like, hey, a year ago we had a really nice date, but I was doing something else. Do you want to get together now? Like, what do you do? How do you do that? How do you navigate? I think in that situation, I think we we had such a nice connection that it would be, and we texted too, like we moved off of the app because I don't have the app anymore. I think it would be okay to text and say, because I I said, you know, I can't do this right now, but I had a lovely time. Mm -hmm. I think it would be okay to say like just checking in and seeing where you are. But right now, if I did it, it would seem like pure desperation, I think. Yes, totally. (laughs) 
<laughs> that would be probably the worst thing I could do. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good question. I actually hadn't really thought about him until we were talking about him right now. But mm. yeah, well, <laughs> let me ask, let me ask you then, um, what, how you're doing in love in the time of COVID? As our listeners might know, this year is going to be my 20 year anniversary with my husband. We've been together for a long time. Tonight, for example, we picked up Cheesecake Factory and ate it. That was our That's date night. That's your favorite. That's your favorite. <laughs> Shh. Aww. I, I will say um, my experience being home 24-7 with my husband and my six-year-old kid, I couldn't quite put my finger on why it felt familiar until, of all people, my fertility doctor, who I am friends with on Facebook, <gasps> Put up a you post. Are? Yeah, I am. I gotta get on that. <laughs> uh, put up a post about how he was talking uh, with his wife about how strange it is. It's like this very strange thing all of a sudden to be home all the time, and you're sort of like there's this alien landscape happening, and you can't really go anywhere. You're sort of confined to your space with your kids. And his wife countered. His wife, by the way, is mother of twins. And he had his twins actually while he was treating me. His wife said, this isn't alien to me because this is exactly how it felt when I first had my babies. When you first have kids, whether it's um, two, three, or even just one, (laughs) all of a sudden you're stuck at home and you, you don't see your friends and you don't get to eat the way you used to eat. You don't get to move the way used to move your time is not your own anymore Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. realize this this feels very similar to my three months of maternity leave when you are just home you're trying to keep somebody alive in this case one of those people is yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't do anything the way you used to do before so those three months of of my maternity leave my husband and I became very close taking care of my son it was like this time to bond again and I kind of feel like we're going through that Again, which sounds lovely. There's also, of course, the added um, stress of the actual coronavirus and the fact that, you know, with our child, we could go take a walk, even though he would probably start crying, you know, half an hour into it or 15 minutes into it. There's some more unpredictability where that, you know, as far as that goes, we don't even, you know, it's very stressful to... Well, this is like, now you can go on a walk and it might be you who starts crying because some asshole walks by (laughs) coughing as a fucking jog. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that's how my love in the time of coronavirus or COVID has been. All right. Well, on that note, um, who do we ha- Who else did you interview? Well, the first person I interviewed, as I said, was Lisa, and she's uh, in a relationship. She, uh, I'm going to read her little bio. She's a mother, an animation producer, a rider of bikes, lover of music, cartoons, books, and cats. And her motto is, when in doubt, add more glitter. Oh, oh I agree with that. <laughs> and? Uh, and then the second one is with our friend Candace. And Candace, we met when we filmed an episode of Stand Against Evil, which where can you watch that now? Where can you watch our episode? It's on Hulu. Uh, She was a writer on the show, not our episode, unfortunately, but she's Mm -hmm. lovely and hilarious and funny. And uh, her boyfriend is also a stand-up comedian. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear all your interviews, including this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoy this very special episode of Dady Ladies colon twinterviews dady lady colon, colon twinterviews this call is now being recorded hi lisa yes how are you doing Hello. i'm so great <laughs> how are you doing i was gonna say great great being 
actually secret code for really shitty, but you know, <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm trying to adopt a new, a new positive attitude in the last 30 seconds. So yeah. You don't have to do that here. Uh, okay. okay good, you good, can good. say that things are shitty. Okay, um, you're in semi-isolation because you have a daughter. Yeah, I have um, I have an almost 18-year-old daughter, and she still goes between her dad's house and my house, but he's in isolation as well, so I feel pretty comfortable with her. But you do have a boyfriend. I do have a boyfriend, yeah. He's how, also in isolation. <sighs> how long were you seeing each other before this? It's been a little over a year that we'd been dating before we went mm. into isolation. And there is no question that you guys were going to have to spend this apart, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he has um, two young sons as well, so there's too much risk involved for us to actually see each other, I think. So how has it been? Um, you know, I think the first couple weeks it felt like, oh, great, I get to live my Jane Austen fantasies. Like having like an epistolary relationship, you know, where we're just writing and... I mean, I know that Jane Austen didn't have FaceTime, but FaceTiming and texting. But probably around week four or so, the thrill of that wore off. You know, when you see someone on FaceTime or you're watching the same movie together on cast, but you actually can't just rest your head on someone's shoulder or hug them or any of the other fun stuff that you do in a relationship. And it's really a drag, you know? Like, I think I'm a pretty huggy person in general, and it's really a bummer, like, not having that. And, you know, my teenage daughter isn't really a big – I mean, she actually – now is letting me hug her occasionally, but um, yeah, Aww. she's she's not big on getting hugs from her mother. So although Aww. she did put her she did put her head on my shoulder earlier today, so that was really sweet of her. I appreciate that. She has a boyfriend, right? She is has that... a boyfriend as well. He's with his parents in San Diego. The poor girl. She drove down to San Diego and then just sat in her car and had a conversation with him, and then drove Aww. back to Los Angeles. You know, but she's oh my she's God. being super mature about it. And her boyfriend's a, a sweet guy, and they've been dating for a while, so. I don't know, I'm kind of fond of my kid. She's a good kid, so. Lisa likes child. Okay, check mark. I All do. Right. I do. <laughs> um, yeah. So for the first four weeks, you would you would have limited contact, but it would be like very meaningful. You know, we each have shared custody of our children, and thankfully, our weeks align with each other. So the weeks that we don't have our kids are the same weeks. So we we still definitely, like, almost every night, we'll watch a movie together, like via cast or something, you know, where you can do a screen share thing and talk over it. We have one night a week where there's a group of people and we all kind of watch a movie together. We take turns picking a movie and we do that. You know, and then he and I will FaceTime after or FaceTime before. And um, and in fact, we, so one of my, like, oldest and dearest friends, her daughter got married a couple weeks ago and we were supposed to go to the wedding up in the, going to be at the Russian River, but that was canceled. So I think they held their wedding on Twitch. And Dave and I both got dressed up in our, you know, individual houses and like oh, you know, wow. signed into Twitch and then like had FaceTime going with each other. So we got to kind of experience the wedding together. But oh, wow. again, like it, it wasn't the same as like taking a trip to Greenfield, you know, with your boyfriend. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating when you want to reach out and just hug somebody or when they're having a really difficult day and and you just, you can't be there. I mean, it's just not the same. It's not the same trying yeah. to, like, communicate over the phone or via text or email as it is when you're sitting across from someone and can just kind of, even in silence, be there for them. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, there's so much that can happen in silence just being physically next to somebody and you don't have that option. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's terrible. I 
I mean, I feel look, I feel really lucky that I have a boyfriend and that he's just a wonderful guy. And I and I really I appreciate that he's taking the isolation seriously. And I know he feels the same way about me. And but at the same time, it's like God, I want to see that guy, you know. And I yeah. And who knows when that's going to happen? And it's okay. It's for the common good and it's for the good of both of us and our you know respective families. But man, I want to hang out with him, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I look forward to that day. And I'm going to act like a totally doofy teenager I know when I do see him again. Yeah, it'll be like uh, like you guys have just gotten off an ocean liner or something. Or like he just got back from war. That's, that's how I yeah. picture it. That is kind of how it is. I mean, you're sort of really, like at war with this disease, at least psychologically, right. and then you get a reunion after it. I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, honestly, I think about this because I'm just always trying to comfort myself when I'm, like, feeling really low. And um, I, it's probably much better that we're – isolating apart from each other than, you know, people who are in relatively new relationships and all of a sudden are just together all the time. And that could be really challenging too and in a very negative way. So it's like, I guess I have the, um, I have the opportunity to see him again. And when we reunite, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. So you're, you're thankful that you guys have an established relationship, that you love each other yeah. and that yeah. absence is going to make the heart grow fonder. Oh, most certainly. Yes. Yes. Absence oh. is, in this instance, I'm definitely making the heart grow fonder. And it is. It's, you know, again, like, I feel like we're all trying to search for meaning in this. And there's that idea of, like, man, I really like being around people. You know, I yeah. like seeing people and talking to people and even in the, like, lunchroom at work and having a dumb conversation about coffee or whatever. It's like, I miss that. I'm looking forward to that again. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's just going to be like, they'll give the okay at a certain point and then you guys will, like that is a very, it's going to be a very intense moment when we're allowed to do it. So are you sort of just waiting for the government to go like, okay, you can start socializing? Like, I don't know what that point is going to be. I don't know what that's going to look like either because honestly, it's like, you know, the government might say that, but I don't know if I want to be the guinea pig. And I, anyway, and I feel like my boyfriend would feel the same way. I'd rather, probably be my toe into into the world again instead of like just jumping in the deep end you know they're talking about this thing in waves and and if it sparks something i mean you know realistically say they give the okay and then it's like okay everybody go back to normal i mean it's you're probably going to want to wait two weeks just to kind of see how that plays out you know yeah and i think if you're lucky to be able to take those two weeks you should yes. take them yeah. yeah exactly do you get dressed up for your skyping or your facetiming with your boyfriend um I did, I did, I think the first couple of weeks, but now it's just like, ah, you know what I I could probably tell you the two times I've worn makeup in the last seven weeks. I had, I do a ladies tea with some of my friends on Sundays. Oh, and I sometimes think I I'll just show up. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll just like do my hair in like big curls and oh. put on like false eyelashes just to be, That's you know, so like. so awesome. But I did that, like I did I that for Claire's wedding. Like I put on a dress, but I wore the Annie's. I took a shower. I like fixed my hair. <laughs> I put on a full face of makeup. <laughs> I stared my legs. I went to town, you know, but that was a month ago, I think maybe or so, six weeks ago. How was their so, uh, wedding? Did they have a person there? They actually had gotten married earlier. This was the wedding party. And they've been isolating together. So it was in um, Kent and Ivy's house and in the backyard. And they had a DJ who I, I didn't know this. The DJ was in London DJing their wedding. And um, and it was it was really funny. It was on Twitch, which gave me a headache a little bit. But, um, but it was great. Like, it was fun. Like, the little 
the comment bubble, you know, on the side of the thing with all their friends. It was just fun to watch. It, it did kind of feel like that experience of being at a young person's wedding and just kind of like sitting back and enjoying yourself while the young folks went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That would translate it's the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, I would have rather spent the weekend in Greenville, but it was a good second best. You made the most of it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, other than that, I ran some errands a couple weeks ago when I put on jeans and I felt like I was going to see the queen or something. I know. know. My husband told me that he read that somebody referred to jeans now as hard pants. Like I said, my hard pants. (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) Okay, well, is there anything else you'd like to tell us that maybe you uh, would like to remember when in a year or two from now, when you're far away from all this, what things were like back? With love in the time of COVID. I mean, I just, you know, I don't think I'll ever, I think I'll, I think from now on, I will really appreciate just being able to be around my boyfriend and just whatever stupid things you do, you know, like making dinner, going for hikes or going to see a movie or whatever. Like, man, I'm going to appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. And my yeah. daughter too, like just being able to allow, like, I know as a high school senior, you know, she's struggling. I know she would prefer to not be spending all of her time with her mom and her dad, but I'm getting to spend time with her, too. So I'm trying to keep those two things in mind. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me, Lisa. Thank you, Zero. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, so. (laughs) Yay. call is now being recorded. Candace. Hi. How's the quarantine going for you? It's not terrible overall. It's like everybody. It has its uh, really stressful down days and other days where it doesn't seem so awful. Um, yeah. So I have noticed on Instagram you posted that you have a boyfriend. Is that true? I do. It's very true. And a, and a fairly recent one. How long have you guys been seeing each other? So we've been friends for almost two years. He's a stand-up comedian. We met at an open mic. And um, we started dating in January. And then it was just getting to the point of like being as the kids would say Facebook official when uh-huh. this started it just sort of impulsively like we didn't even really think it through just on an impulse it was just sort of like you're going to stay with me in my apartment he lives in a house with five roommates and he's stayed with me through the whole thing ever since and hasn't left oh wow that does make sense though you live alone or you did live alone formerly yes this has been the big challenge I do live alone I live in a studio apartment though so it's just one room really oh. besides the bathroom Wow. Yes, we've been in the same room together 24 hours a day for almost two months. Oh my gosh, do you feel that you're getting to know him in a different way than you did before? Yeah, honestly, it was like it took the relationship from where just entering into like a honeymoon phase and it felt like we just drove full throttle like years in. <laughs> Had you lived with somebody before or is this the first time? This is the first time I've never lived with a boyfriend before. Oh my gosh, and it's yeah. really <laughs> Yes, <laughs> very new for me. <laughs> how, like how is your patience level? <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, there's been times where it's been very short. His patience level is very high. It's kind of funny. He's actually um, bipolar, but if you were to step into our apartment, 
it's weird because I'm the one that's had the more erratic mood shifts and things. It's been interesting that way. But I'd say the patient's level recently, I feel like it's kind of leveled off. But initially, mm-hmm. it was like any little thing he would do would set me off. Like it was, I like my things a specific way. I have like a cleanliness level that is certain. Also for context, I'm 31 and he's 26. There's also mm-hmm. a little bit of a difference in where we're at with that type of thing. And so oh, there's sure. a lot of like, yeah, exactly. And so it was a lot of me snapping over like you left the toilet seat up and uh, you know stuff like that but to his credit he never snapped back he'd always roll with it and kind of be like okay what can I do to you know make you more comfortable and whenever I'd ask him to remember to put the seat down or things like that he'd, he'd meet that request so he came from a uh, like a house with five roommates he does yeah mostly comedian one poor girl that I <laughs> take pity upon but but yes other than that all dudes in their 20s so it's been a big adjustment for him I'm interested to know like how what his feelings are on it the fact that he's in somebody else's home like it's been interesting now we're at the point where it sort of feels like it's both of our home and not just mine and it's weird for it to get to that point because initially it was very much the dynamic between I was the host and he's the guest and but then we're living together like where does that shift and change has there been a moment where you can feel that it changed from like you're in my place to we're in our place the thing I feel with that is when I started without consciously realizing I was doing it referring to like my neighborhood is our neighborhood or you know, the apartment is oh. our apartment or things like that. Um, oh, that's nice. Well, that sounds very organic. It is. That being said, like, when this is over, we're not moving in together. We both want our... Really? <laughs> it's funny because, like I said, it's the studio, so he's here making faces at me. <laughs> yeah. he's listening to this entire thing? Yeah. No, he hears all of it, and he's oh, he's lovingly teasing me. But, no, it's definitely... He's at a point where he still wants to be able to live kind of his... Sort of the fun life that he's got going with living with a group of comics in a big house where they have big house shows and parties and they have a pool and all these things that are fun things to enjoy in your 20s and I'm my studio is the first time I've had my own place to myself and I want to be able to still enjoy that for a bit. What was your living situation before you had your own studio? Well there was one guy roommate I lived with for one year but then for about eight years I lived with one guy roommate in a two-bedroom two-bathroom. We both were very uh, kind of reclusive and kind of kept to ourselves and it was kind of a good situation that way. It was enough where you could split the rent with somebody but you had your own privacy. You just prefer things to be a little more calm and you don't need like yeah. all the stuff going on. No, well, in I fact, told- that's been a, a big difference between the two of us is that he, he's expressed that as he comes from a, a fairly big family and like the chaos and the sound of people running around the house and stuff. And I'm an only child that very much likes the quiet solitude. <laughs> How is he dealing with not having that kind of social interaction and chaos, as you put it? It's been hard. Definitely. I can say that openly. It's been, I feel there's points where I feel really bad for him specifically because my apartment complex that I live in, my friend actually owns the complex. And so a lot of my friends live in the complex. And so even though I'm not coming into contact with anybody, I can still step outside on the porch and see a neighbor and wave and talk, you know, across the way. And I have that where he doesn't have that at all. He's just kind of stuck in a studio apartment that's not his. So is he, he's just waiting to like get back to his old life? A little bit. I mean, he's, it's been something we've been talking about a lot. Um, like, we've been enjoying each other's company, for sure. I'd say this is definitely a testament to how much we like each other. <laughs> the fact that you're understanding about that he's in his 20s and still has that time ahead of him. Guys are so lucky to, to understand what your needs are to accept them. Well, and actually what we're talking about doing, because it sounds like as of now that we're recording this, the Safer at Home uh, order in Los Angeles has been extended three, three months, I believe. Yes, and from what I'm reading, it seems like this could be an ongoing thing for quite a while. So 
what we've kind of talked about just for our own sanity is he might go back sometime within the next month and we might do where he spends some time at his place. We give it enough time to feel comfortable with him then coming back and spending some time here again and then back and forth of trying to do that as safely as you can. <laughs> That's sort of the, the plan going forward. Is he working at all? Does he leave the apartment or is he just inside? He already works from home as is. He is a um, writer for a website called DJ Booth. He writes satire. He's really funny, which is why I liked him and wanted to date him. Could you give me a real brief rundown of like what a typical day is for the two of you? So he gets really bad insomnia. So usually he'll be up all night while I'm peacefully sleeping without any regard for his well-being. And then in the morning, I usually wake up around eight or nine and he's then trying to sleep in because he didn't sleep most of the night. And I'll get up, I'll work out, I'll go for a walk. By the time I come home, he's usually, and it's usually been like about two hours at that point, kind of starting to get up and get going. I come home, I shower, make um, the two of us lunch, like late breakfast, early lunch. And then I sit down and do some work and he works on his articles. And then in the evening, we either play Quiplash, which is a Jackbox game with friends on Zoom, or we watch a movie and go to bed and start everything over. So when this is all over, what would you tell the Candace who's experiencing quarantine? Anything you'd want them to remember? I think a big thing is I just want to keep reminding myself to be patient. It's not easy on anybody. <laughs> He's making a yeah. face at me like, yeah, you should work on that. <laughs> you know, he's leaving me up. I think the biggest thing, though, would be, like, be patient. Everybody's having a hard time. You know, the small things right now that feel catastrophic actually are very small. It's just the fact that we're in such a stressful situation they feel amplified. 